0: Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT and T. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. An icon, a legend, Babyface. Welcome.
1: Yo, what's up, man?
0: What's How's doing? it feeling? good,
1: man. I'm good.
2: He walked in with a guitar, so that feels like we're going to get something special.
1: They told me to bring one. I don't know. So I nah, I
2: mean, they told you to do it?
1: Yeah, they told me. It's not like I said, I want to bring a guitar.
2: I thought you said. No. <laughs> you sound just going we traveling
0: around, but since you asked, I'll <laughs> bring it.
2: But you got Girls' Night Out now. I'm excited for this. So yeah. you started off with Angie Martinez, Girls' Night Out, Makes Sense, Ladies' Night. Mm-hmm. And um, Lala, and they're getting ready to go out, and that's how the album starts. What made you decide to do that?
1: With Lala, mm-hmm. and well, it was it was fun because it's girls' night out, and we just wanted something to, you know, start off the project and and make it a party to begin with. It's all about the girls, anyway. So I want
0: to I want to I wanna back it up if you don't mind for people hey. that don't know who Babyface <laughs> is. Of course, I grew up on Babyface. My my mother did. My my father did. My parents did. What got Babyface into music? Let's start from the beginning for people that mm. don't know who Babyface is.
1: What got me into music? Um First song I wrote is because I fell in love with this girl in sixth grade. So I wanted her to know that, you know, I was in love with her. I never played her the song, but never, that didn't matter. It was just I, I wrote the song for her. So and that made me want to pick up a guitar. My brother had a guitar in the house. And so I started, I picked up the guitars specifically to learn how to write this song. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this song called Here I Go Falling in Love. And that started it.
0: And, and how did it continue on? Because, I mean, we all, i like, I wrote a rap, but I didn't uh. say I wanted to be a rapper. You did put
2: out some rap albums. No, I,
0: well, I did wasn't you? actually rapping. I was DJing. But <laughs> what made you want to take it serious and be a, a musician at the time with so much going on?
1: It was just, it was kind of in my blood. I started there, and then um, my brother Melvin, who was in After 7, he's mm-hmm. not with us anymore, but he was a great singer, and he had a band, and I just kind of used to go watch him and his band play. And then he asked me to sing... Um, Who's loving you? One time in a uh, homecoming that he had at high school, and, and I did that, and it kind of I kind of kind of got in my blood. And the first act I saw was Jackson Five. Saw them do the coming back to Indiana tour or going back to Indiana, mm-hmm. and I saw them on stage, and it was over at that point because it at that point you know they were big as hell, and it was just like seeing them in my hometown, and which was Indianapolis. And to see them on that stage it was something that I wanted to do.
0: Now, most you know. musicians, uh, a lot of musicians, I should say, they're artist mode all the time, right? They want to be an artist. They want to be in front of the camera, on mm. the stage, in front of the lights. But you also took a take it into writing as well. What made it, you say, you know what, I'm going to write for some of these people and produce for some of these people? Because you could have kept yeah. it all for yourself and your, your brothers and your band.
1: I, I, I never felt like the, the star anyway. I just kind of felt like it was uh, I, I only wanted to do it for the love of music and and to write it in the first place. So I wasn't trying to be the main one. Even when I saw the Jackson 5, I didn't want to necessarily be up on that stage. I just wanted to have a piece of it, be a part of it somehow.
2: Is it hard when you write songs for other people and they don't sing it like how you kind of interpreted it or how you feel like you heard it?
1: Well, usually, since I get to produce, then I can usually get them to do it the way I kind of Mm imagine. And and they usually will. They usually take it a, a, a little bit further than I would have.
2: I saw you said end of the road. You originally were gonna keep that record. Yeah. <laughs> are you mad you didn't keep that record? Nah. I was. I mean, that was huge.
1: Yeah, it was huge. But if it, it wouldn't have been huge if I did, so Maybe. you know, nah. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and how do you
0: tell a, a artist like a, a Michael or a Boys to Men or anybody else that you work with, like, nah, do that over? Because you know, artists are sensitive. They're sensitive about this shit.
1: It depends on how you tell them. You know, cause as long as you're giving them praise on the other things they do, then they'll they'll trust you enough to try something
0: else. Who was the most difficult to tell them that that you had to sing again or that they were wrong or something didn't sound right? Who was the most difficult because they just knew they were great? Damn. I
1: don't know. I usually usually don't get fights. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I can't. Most people, some people, you don't even even get the chance to say they're difficult because they end up doing it themselves. So, like, it's not really... um, and if I usually run into that problem, I, I would rather they do do it themselves and then, then kind of critique it, you know, long distance. Gotcha. You know.
2: What happens when you write a song that is, um, you write a song but more than one person wants it? Like, how do you decide, okay, I'm going to let, because some of the songs I'm sure that you've written, like maybe you give it to this person, they didn't respond mm-hmm. fast enough, and then someone else got it, and they're like, no, I want that song.
1: Well, there was one song um, in the beginning that I ended up, you know giving to another artist and it was and actually LA got blamed for it but I was the one that actually did it can we talk nope Oh, <laughs> that um it was girlfriend
2: pebbles yep okay that was
1: so initially we had a deal we were supposed to do a thing with Vanessa Williams we had three songs that we we're gonna do on Vanessa Williams and then um <clears throat> we met with this lady uh, Cheryl Dickerson at uh, you um a Universal at the time, MCA, she said, you guys should meet the boys and you should meet Pebbles. Mm-hmm. And we went over and, and met Pebbles and uh, Pebbles played um, Mercedes boy. Do
0: you wanna ride yes. a
2: Mercedes Pebbles boy. had, you know what's <clears throat> great about Pebbles? She had like, she was very, I don't even wanna use this word, it sounds corny, but sassy.
1: She was sassy and we yeah. thought she was rich cause she had um, <laughs> champagne and stuff in her session. We never had champagne in our sessions. Mm-hmm. And, and she had fruits and stuff like and. So we looked at her and so I thought, "Wow, she's like famous already." And so then she played Mercedes Boy, which was like just so good. Mm-hmm. And as she was talking, as she was playing, that I thought the song Girlfriend was already written, and it wasn't written for anybody specifically, but I already I had already written it. And then I said to LA, I said, "She's Girlfriend. That is that's who that's who Girlfriend is." And he was like, "Yeah, but we already we already put it on Vanessa." I said, "Yeah, but." This song belongs to her, and I've always been a, a believer that the song comes first, mm-hmm. and the song should go where the best artist. And I thought that she was the best artist for it. She she was girlfriend. So ultimately, we snatched the song back. Um, yeah. uh, La started dating Pebbles, so they just figured that Pebbles in La, you know, it must have happened that way. It was but your fault. It was actually my was fault, and fault. I take the I take the blame. Well,
2: that was a good call
1: it was a good call. It was, a it was the, call it was the right call the song was supposed to go where it was supposed to go
0: I wanted to ask like with a song like Can We Talk right huge record to this day right in, yes. in all genres young mid old whatever it doesn't matter yep so when you're working with a new artist and you have that record and I'm sure when you did that record you're like oh this is it do you have any reservation like maybe we shouldn't give it into this young whippersnapper which Tevin Campbell was at the time yeah. maybe we should give it to somebody that's already seasoned do you ever have those reservations
1: um not really. It all depends on the voice. If somebody has that voice and 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 has that gives it a good feeling, then then you think that's ultimately that's ultimately what you want. You can get give it to somebody that season, but doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna pull it off the same way. And that song was just kind of right for Tevin at the time. And I know there's this whole thing on Usher and yeah. it's supposed to be Usher song, and the, the reality is I, I wrote it specifically for Tevin because Quincy Jones mm-hmm. had asked me to you know, work on this project and I had already did one song called I'm Ready and he called me, Quincy Jones called me and he was excited and said, can I get another one? I was like, I'm gonna give Quincy Jones another song because it was Quincy. T-. So I ultimately wrote wrote that and wrote that with uh, Daryl Simmons and we wrote um, Can We Talk? And it was for Tevin from the get-go. Mm. Um, and the whole stories that kind of happened around it, not true. Just it was specifically for Tevin at that time, and um,
0: that's that. The yeah, rumor has it it was supposed to be for Usher, and, and Usher never got it, or for whatever yeah, whatever.
1: yeah, I know, and that went for a very long time. <laughs> but that's well,
0: not true. Well, there you
2: are.
1: Here that to is say not now. the truth. Vital, <laughs> That's not the truth. It was ultimately it, from the beginning written for Tevin and went on Tevin. I think after the fact it was done. I think LA definitely wanted to have it on Usher, but it was, sure. it, was, it was it was too late. It was already
0: done. Do you remember how much you were charging back then for records to write records?
1: Nope, <laughs> <laughs> can't. I, I I know for the whole um, Vanessa thing, for three songs, I think we're gonna get twelve grand for three, twelve grand. Twelve grand for three songs. We was happy. And you guys were excited for that. We was excited. Yeah. We was excited about that, and then, but um, Peb's manager at the time, he he offered us fifteen for one. So, you know,
0: went that route. It went that route. Nah, think not about not it. Sure. Drake
2: recently posted like. Mm-hmm. His um, opening for Ice Cube, he got a hundred dollars. He posted yeah. recently that that um you know that check. That's amazing. Like to see where you started, and then as the money starts to like increase, increase, you know, to levels that you never would think imaginable.
1: Yeah, no question. Well, you know, coming in music in the in the first place, I wasn't even thinking about money. Mm-hmm. It was just just wanted to hear my songs on the radio. That's all you thought about. You didn't think about buying no house or buying no cars or anything like that. It wasn't that wasn't the thought. It was really just about the music and I think it's changed nowadays it's really about like the money not a business oh, it's about the money and there ain't nothing wrong with that though. Mm-hmm. Two,
2: so was two occasions the first big song mm-hmm. or what was before? I think it? the
1: first big song placed in terms of th- that I did was a song called slow jam mm-hmm. that was out with midnight star mm-hmm. and then after that the first like charting song was probably rock steady that we did with the
0: whispers
2: the Whispers,
0: wow i was gonna ask you know then you know you, you were so popular hip-hop artists are calling you and asking you to do records for them do you remember your first rapper or hip-hop artist that called and said do a record and what were your thoughts when they called
1: um i don't clearly remember i just know i did this one record for this artist i wasn't very familiar with and they said he was gonna be really big and i think he had an album out already but he said was gonna be really big and i did this hook for him Sunshine, Jay Z, yeah, exactly. Jay Z. <laughs> so you didn't
0: you didn't know who Jay Z was? I wasn't called.
1: really familiar with him. No. <laughs> did
0: but did you go in the studio with him to record that record? Yeah,
1: I went in, and uh, and um, and honestly, I don't. I think he was there. I'm not sure he was because I didn't really know him. I was like, yeah, I do this. It was a favor. So, um, so who called you if if you didn't have I, no idea? I think I feel like Andre Harrell called again.
0: And you were baby faced at that time, so you was like, who is this call? What
1: rapper? No, nah, no, nah, I never had this. I was never babyface mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying I, I never looked at myself as like babyface so it, it never so if I if I knew somebody and they called and want me to do something that I'd do it you know mm-hmm.
2: now let's talk about the iconic waiting to exhale soundtrack and how that happened because that soundtrack and I really think in particular back then like soundtracks are so important but that's probably one of the best soundtracks to this day ever well, so how did you work on that how did all of that happen what was the process
1: um I got a call from Forrest Whitaker and uh, who called me, and I think everybody was...
0: Everybody just calls you, babyface, you know that. They just like Andre Harrell, let's play. All you gotta do is call them; you will
1: do it. Nah, but I was surprised I got a call from Forrest Whitaker, and, and I was excited that he went to even meet with me, and mm-hmm. everybody was chomping at the bit to do Waiting to Excel, you know, but as a soundtrack, um, t- everything about it, everybody was hoping to get it, Then Forrest Whitaker called me, and I didn't know he was directing the movie, at the time and he told me he's I'm getting ready to do this project and way in Excel. I said, Really? And he said, I'd love you to do music and I'd also love you to score it as well. And I hadn't done that, scored it and or written all the music for film, which was um I was glad to definitely write the music for the scoring I was a little afraid of and he said, No, no, you know, you know, you can do it and I'll walk you through it and we'll get this done. And so it was really us that kinda called it, uh, for me to do it and then as we were doing it, then I thought it made a lot of sense for it to just be all girls. And initially, Whitney, uh, since it was a Whitney film, you thought, okay, great, we get Whitney to sing. But Whitney initially wasn't going to sing. Mm. She, it wasn't any guarantee that she was going to be on it. So, but then she
2: knew it was you, and I know she would trust you.
1: Yeah, she trusts me. But, it, but even then, because I, I had met with her and I asked her, are you going to sing? She said, I don't know, babe. I don't know if I'm going to do this yet. And so I was like, I wasn't writing, any, writing anything for her. So everything... Initially, it was all songs written for every all the other artists. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. finally, she had said she would sing. And that's how uh, XL ultimately was written. And I started writing, write it, but um, I didn't finish it. And that's how it ended up with Shoop Shoop instead of a full chorus in it because I hadn't really thought it all the way through. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: we got to get this <laughs> done. She's in the studio now. Let's just say <laughs> Shoop Shoop. <laughs> shoop Shoop, which is very catchy. <laughs> now, you know, I want to go back to verses, right? Yeah. Um, versus opens you up to a whole younger demographic. Yeah. So how has that been? Because, I mean, I remember the first day, you know, you and Teddy, y'all were trying to figure out your Wi-Fi problem and getting on. And, <laughs> your and Wi-Fi I, was good. Yeah, your, your Wi-Teddy's was a little crazy. <laughs> so how has mm-hmm. that been opening up to a whole new demographic of people that probably didn't know who you were at the time but now are so into you?
1: Yeah, I think that was no question the turning point. I think that um, it was um, doing it. First, I was scared as hell, or nervous as hell anyway, doing that as we were doing that cuz I didn't I, you have so many hits you know it's the weirdest thing because you know you're sitting here watching the phone and ain't nobody else in there and so why should you be nervous cuz you don't know any you know you don't know if anybody's on the other side or not but the whole idea of going up against teddy cuz teddy had a catalog yeah, he teddy had a got a catalog he just didn't he just didn't plan it out right, right. he could have got me he just <laughs> he just didn't <laughs> plan was just it right you chilling <laughs> you know and i was like I was prepared, we were prepared to come at him, you know. Every song he put, okay, you got that, I got this, got this, got this, and so, you know, that's how I ended up doing the, I knew one song he would play, I knew I couldn't beat it, that's what, why I ended up pulling the guitar out and did the When Can I See You, because I knew I couldn't beat when he went to um, the remix with the uh, SWV. I was like, I ain't gonna be able to beat that. Mm-hmm. So, it was it was fun in that sense, but I didn't, I didn't wanna do it in the first place. Why not? Um, because I didn't want to compete like that I thought that was I didn't like the idea of that mm-hmm. and uh, and it was Andre Huel who talked me once again Andre, Andre called me again and talked me into it and uh, i was i was uh, I'm glad that I did it because when I did it 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 did it changed everything because it it um I went from like you know Instagram followers from over overnight from three hundred thousand to over a million. And um, The streaming numbers and and everything it just it kind of changed to where um, I started seeing uh, younger people that were into me. I went to Walgreens and was in there. This was still during COVID times. I had a mask on, and the girl says, "I know who you are. I can see you under that." They said, "I, I watch verses, and and I just want to tell you, I'm a big fan." And she was like 18 years old. Wow. I said, "Okay, that's that's interesting." So, mm. um, which came, which brought up the idea. You know, um, Rika, who's my partner in this, um, on Girls Night Out, she kind of came to me and said, "What you need to do is do a, another project, not a, not exactly Exhale, but a project with the younger R&B girls again, and uh, this time you should write it with them, and they write with you, collaborate, so it can be feel natural in that sense." And so that's what I ended up doing.
0: And how was that getting all those different attitudes, all those different people, all those different moments?
1: It was, it was great because like. Every girl had their own thing, Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody wrote on the song. We we actually collaborated together, so we just walk in the studio, and then I say, "So what's going on in your life? What's (laughs) going? Are you happy? You sad? You in love? You not in love?" And everybody kind of would talk about whatever's going on.
2: Man, I thought about that right while I listened to the album, and. There's a lot of things theme- like what would you say <laughs> when it comes to what's going on in in women's lives was yeah. a- kind of a a theme in this album because I feel like LMA in love yes you know butterflies right. still right. coming yeah but then I listen to some of the other songs <laughs> exactly and I'm like Coco Jones you know she's jaded yep she doesn't believe in love yep and then you hear Kalani yep and she's like you mad at me for breathing yep you know and then you hear um, Baby Tate. Don't even think about it. Yep. <laughs> and you hear stuff like that. She's got problems with commitment. Do you feel like you know? Um, sometimes when you're getting creative and writing in the studio, it's easier to tap into more of those type of emotions.
1: I I mean that's that's true. But this is also a sign of where we are today. Because like you know, it it was a time when you know we would sing about love and and when we would sing about love and being in love. And now it's a, it's a little bit everybody's more independent and and these girls they got their own they they like I ain't taking this and I'm not gonna and, I, and I'm gonna say how I feel what I feel and how I feel and that was the cool part about the process because every girl that came in was very independent and very mm-hmm. strong and a lot different than before and you know plus I was writing the songs before so it was completely what I imagined they right. might say so they were saying exactly how they felt.
2: You're like, this is how women really feel. Is,
1: yeah, <laughs> they like, you know, you might have thought it was love, but no, nah, it, ain't, it ain't.
2: <laughs> What did you learn?
1: I learned that, you know, besides musically, just learning how uh, how to flow differently, how to how the lyrics flow, how how the melodies flow. Uh, everything's not on top of the beat; it's behind the beat; it's it's everywhere. It's it's all about feel at this particular point, and just from the their perspective uh, of life. Is um, is a lot different than it was, say in the '90s. Girls, uh, our '90s people. Period. Um, relationships. Period. Mm-hmm. Everything's a lot more toxic, but that's like it's that's a lot today.
2: more access, like Money Long and her song "The Recipe." Yes, you know she's going through your phone. She, uh, you didn't have to worry about that back in the day, like.
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of things you have to worry about back <laughs> in the day, but money came in and killed it too. She, she, she did. Oof.
2: What I like about her. Like it's not so surface, like what she's saying, because she's like going to your phone But at the same time, she's like, I don't want to leave though. Right. You know, like I still want to work it out. I don't want to be here without you. But
1: yeah, and that's a real thing. Um, money's a great writer, and she's and that was like I said, that was a great one to do. But every every everybody that came in was writing great. So, mm-hmm. and the funny thing is that we really just did it every song in one day. So we basically came in, wrote it. And uh, recorded her on that same day.
0: Who surprised so. you the most in the studio? Out of all artists you work with?
1: There was a... Uh, there kept on being surprises. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew Money Long was great, but I didn't know that she was as that great. I didn't know she could blow like she could blow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that uh, some surprises were Tiana Major 9. I, I heard her voice before. Mm-hmm. I, I, and then when she came in, I, I realized how rich her voice really is. It's mm-hmm. like, this girl's really good. And then Coco Jones surprised me yeah like where'd this come from mm-hmm. um uh, baby tate who, who was more of a rapper who came in singing so
2: i know i was surprised with that one that yeah. was dope i was like baby tate and yeah. her song is dope
1: so it's it's a lot of there, uh, there were surprises with with everyone because everyone came came strong and um and it was honest you know mm-hmm.
2: you know what and, i think did you film like any of your conversations oh
1: we filmed it all
2: because I feel like it sounds like a podcast series. Because, like you said, they come in, they talk about what's going on in their lives right now. I even think about you and Ari Lennox on lip service and you kind of making her think about her responsibility in relationships,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not
2: working out, and reflect on those things. But just to hear what they have to say, where they are in their life, I'm sure that's also kind of therapeutic. And Annie, you're talking to Babyface about well, it.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the babyface part, but I, I'll just say that if you just get in there, you just start having conversation, and you just get chill. Every get, everybody gets chill, and just kind of start talking about it. Then, you know, you relax. Then it just opens up, and you can get a sense of where you should go musically or not. You know, or what you should talk about. Some people want to talk about things, and some people don't. First time I worked with Whitney, I n- remember I played her the song "Why Does It Hurt So Bad," and she heard that. And she goes, "I can't sing that." She's mm. like I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. Mm. I would never be that kind of person, so that's there's there's no reason for me to sing that. And then she sang it on uh, XL years mm-hmm. later. <laughs> Unfortunately, she learned about right. it. Right. But but initially, it is about you know um, whether you know whether it's something you can feel or not, or whether you know, and and how honest you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, um, most of the artists they want to be honest about their truth of who they are. Mm-hmm. No one's no one's hiding from anything at this point. They're just kind of like just just giving it for whatever it is.
0: Now you know, Diddy recently came out and said R and B was dead, and it was trending, and people were mad. R and B artists were mad. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it, especially since you just did a whole Girls Night Out album, R and B album?
1: Yeah, I you know, R and B is is never dead. R and B is even it's in everything that we do, and it's in in every new artist. I mean, Kalani has been killing it mm-hmm. for, for a very long time you have Giveon you have um, you have pieces of R&B in and, and, Lucky and, Day and Lucky Day you have R&B La- in Steve Lacey in Vegas is killing yeah, it R&B is everywhere mm-hmm. and and also you have R&B in, in pop artists too it's like don't think that Justin Bieber you know that that's not R&B that that's not those, those producers and those people that give those songs that's still part of R&B and b will never die because it's always it's in It's in so many things, so I disagree with that wholeheartedly.
2: You just named a lot of R&B guys, so does that mean there's gonna be like a guys' night out?
0: I don't know, maybe. You should do a guys' night out. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) positive. The hangover. And I was gonna ask: Is there any (laughs) song that you wish you redid that you hear now? Like, I wish I did this different. Or
1: that's why I don't listen to the radio when when my songs come out I usually won't listen to it because I will reproduce it in my head and be like, "Damn, I should have did this." that, that, that could have went for this note could have made it a little bit better mm-hmm. so I, I try not to listen to things and I'll turn the station if I hear something or, or if somebody's listening to stuff then I just don't try not to pay attention
2: when at you and L.A. had um, face and you guys had so much success mm-hmm. why did you guys say okay we're done with the label
1: mm. the label ultimately was uh, L- in terms of the label part it was it um, was just that kind of time for LA he wanted to move on and he got an offer to run Arista and we ultimately built uh we were building Leface to hopefully one day sell it and you know and uh we we got that chance because LA was able to go run Arista i think that's why we were able to actually sell it at that point mm-hmm. i don't know if we would have been been able to do it any sooner than that but it ultimately um we ultimately put it there and uh he was he went on and ran Arista and and other things as well.
0: Out of all and the that, artists that you signed on the face, who was some of your favorites? Because you just really found that raw talent and really made them to who they are today. Say again, though. Uh, what's all the artists that you signed on the face. Who yeah. was one of the, your favorite artists that you found, and you know, you you love watching that that journey to who they are today?
1: I I think that um, it's uh, it's a little hard to answer because it's. Uh, so many artists that we we touched um, where you you didn't imagine that their careers would go where, where it would go you know um, from even starting with, with TLC where you know those girls
0: what gave you the vision for TLC we're gonna go through something like TLC when they came to you the way that they looked, the different clothes the singing the rapping all together what made you say that is the group
1: well TLC was TLC was actually brought uh, brought in through Pebbles Mm-hmm and um, that was, uh, and, and she, she had a vision for them, and then when she brought them, it was kind of clear to see, and uh, at that point, Chili wasn't even in the group yet, and Chili actually was a background dancer for Damien Dame, and when, when the three of them came together, then it looked, it just seemed kind of obvious, it was it just felt new, it felt fresh, and, and um, Dallas Austin kind of worked on the first part, the first records with them, and it was so clear that there was something there, and then uh, Dallas doing the work helped to me helped to make it easier for me to see what kind of music to do on, on them as well. Um, and then there was um, obviously Tony Braxton, mm-hmm. which was in uh, Tony was in the girls. He, uh, she was in had the group herself mm-hmm. with the Braxtons. Yeah. We pulled her out of the Braxtons because she had this voice and.
0: How difficult was that making her leave? Her it sisters? was. It was kind of difficult.
1: It was a family affair. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really want that to happen, but I felt like she was, she was a star by herself initially. Mm-hmm. She they had always a,
2: call you guys the perfect pairing musically.
1: I think that the thing that hit Tony hit me about Tony was all this pain that she had in her voice, mm-hmm. and I love to write from pain. <laughs> so when I heard her voice, I said, "Ah, oh, listen to that pain. It's like you know that's something great, you know, we, something to work with." And um. And we just, it just, all the things kind of fell together, right? Because, you know, Tony ended up getting songs that weren't actually even meant for her that she, you know, they were written for Anita Baker first at first. From the Boomerang soundtrack, we wrote Love Should Have Brought You Home. Love
2: Should Have Brought Your Ass Home.
1: Yep, and that's, exactly. <laughs> and that was written, for, we wrote that for Anita Baker, and she turned it down and uh, said, y'all should let that little girl do it. That, that did, little girl do it. That little girl that did, did the demo. Why did she turn mm-hmm. it down? I, I don't know she didn't like it I guess um okay. d- it didn't hit her it didn't hit it it didn't seem like it was something that she wanted to sing and then I think we sent her another one like um you mean the world to me and and she turned that one down too so Tony got that one too <laughs> so she's, like, Thank no you. baby I don't want
3: to do that one either. let that little girl sing it
1: do you ever get
2: did you ever get offended like when you like this is a hit
1: I got turned down. No, I got turned down many times of sending songs. So never, you never get offended. You sing. that's
2: good. That's a good ego lesson for people to understand that even Babyface might submit a song that that's it's not, a, it's not personal. Let that little girl sing it. <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Let yeah. some other little girl sing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you spend a good piece of your career, people turning down things, songs they don't think it, it works for good them. Term, so, yeah. and that that's fine.
0: Now, you had the Claire uh, Burner Boys Last Last. What's that? You had the Claire Burner Boys record, uh, African artist that redid uh, Tony Braxton's song Over. Right. So, w- when they brought it to you, do you automatically care? Like, what's your process in clearing records?
1: Um, For the most part, when people are trying to sample or do any, any piece of your records, you. Initially, you could you could have an ego on and say, no, nah, no, nah, I don't I don't think that's happening or that's. But at this particular point, I think that you let you let creativity go and let everybody go for it, as long as it's not junk, you know. But sometimes, how do you know what's junk and what's not junk? Because mm-hmm. there would be some things I would hear in, in my whole life where I'd hear, I said, Why do why is this a hit? And uh, and rather than being judgmental on it, I just listened to it harder to figure out what everybody loves about it, and I think, Okay, that's what it is.
0: Y'all cleared and, that record. Did y'all know who Burner Boy was? Did you know he was an African artist? So
1: which record? That see, that wasn't actually my record. It was on the face, but it wasn't one to didn't write the record, so I did not have to clear that one. Gotcha. And uh, I and mean, then sometimes you get surprised where someone does a record. What was that? Uh. Uh. Um, Blue Blueberry, fago Um,
0: Blue Oh, Vandross?
1: Uh, uh, um, what was it? Um. Mm-hmm. There was a huge song a couple of years ago that they did a my my did pulled a my 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 sample out and it became it was crazy and, and I never I I never approved it I didn't know I did and I found like I didn't approve it you didn't <laughs> no um, so
0: do you just wait for it to get big and be like oh I'm gonna get this money back
1: soon. So, well yeah so somebody somebody at the publishing company they usually go get they
2: it they handle it that's their yeah, money um, too <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what I want to ask you this since you just brought up publishing. Because people always have these conversations about publishing deals. Should you sign them? Should you yeah. not? Um, you know, and we see a lot of these artists getting, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, the big ones mm-hmm. to do these deals. What are your thoughts on signing publishing deals?
1: On signing publishing? If 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 a beginning artist signing It's hard to call. Um in some cases if, if you're if you're a prolific writer. It's great if you can hold on and not do a big deal with someone because it could be worth a lot, but you you never know. and at this particular point, you know cash is king, so if you can grab grab that money at this particular point, then it, it's okay um, but know that that's it. you know if you uh, you got to roll with it for a little bit, So it's, um, it's changed over the years and and in some cases people get a lot of money for it in some cases they don't, so it's hard to call.
2: What was your first publishing deal like?
1: Didn't have one to, f- to begin with. The, the, our publishing was just taken because we signed up to the record company. So it was like, they take it automatically. You didn't get any advance or anything. So we've been through it all. the whole Damn,
2: that sound, mm-hmm. I Because I was listening to you <clears throat> talk, and I'm like, I wonder if, being that you have family that was already doing music, you know, your brother was in After 7, mm-hmm. did you have more knowledge about the business? Um, Yeah,
1: I was in it before... Actually, I was in the business before my brother was officially, and so I ended up bringing After Seven into the business. But I think initially, back in those days when you start out, you know, you kind of go, you got to roll with what what happens. Mm -hmm. And so, if the record company's going to take half, then you know, and you want to get a deal, then that's what it is. And everybody went. I'm I'm sure Teddy and every we can all give you horror stories on publishing things. So, Mm -hmm. uh, as it started back in the day, but it's gotten um, it's gotten a lot better these days. And um, and kids, you know, they, they it's a it's a whole different game at this particular point. And it's not all, even all about the music. If you're a star, then you can make so many money, so many other places. And and it's not really just about the music. So it's a uh, it's a whole different game today.
0: Ever it, in the industry, did, was there ever a time where money was low or you became broke? Was, did that ever happen after you were successful in the industry? Because you always hear those stories
1: where money is low
0: and you, maybe you, should, you went too much too many private jets too many louis vuitton sunglasses who knows yeah. too many chicks oh, too, did he just buy, take a stab at <laughs> you know, <laughs> he took it? a stab yeah. you're too many bags you know you never know and is there ever a point like that yeah
1: there's a point where you don't make as much as you used to make and so you got to keep that in mind um and then you then you work hard to keep to make more i always, whenever um someone asked that question i said well you just got to start writing more hits you know and and uh put in the time to, to make that happen or, and be smarter in, in what you put your money into but I think initially um, it always changes and, and uh, people should always look at the money doesn't always keep coming mm-hmm. at some point people don't play the songs as much as they do so you don't get the same performance You know, the same money doesn't come at it so you have to always consider that and uh, that is a forever thing and there are some kids that when they come out, they come out hitting it so hard, they don't realize that one day it slows down. It might not stop altogether, but it slows down. So you should you should be careful. And, because,
0: and I wanted to know too, like how much time do you spend in the studio? Did you ever get to a point where you're feeling yourself so much, right? Everything's coming, you'd be like, oh, I'm taking a month off of the studio. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna enjoy the fruits of my labor. Has that ever happened or you always were like a studio rat?
1: I've always, I've always worked and always, because I didn't look at it like work, so it was always a joy to be in the studio and write. And it's not always—you don't always have to be in the studio to write. So you can always do that. But there's never a point where um, you feel like you can just take off off. So if you're not in the studio, then you're actually you're out, out on the road or doing other things. But always something musical, something attached. It's it's just part of as a musician. It's kind of one of the things you want to do. Gotcha. You know.
2: How big are you on? Always writing for yourself. Do other artists write for you when you put out your mm. own projects?
1: Sometimes people write for me. I don't usually I'll write together, but when someone hands me a song, I don't usually do that.
2: Have you ever done a song that someone just handed you? So Teddy
0: calls you up and says, I got this song for you. It's or, or, you know, Quincy or mm-hmm. Andre Harrell it's say, Hey, so, you need to take this song from somebody.
1: Yeah, it's so hard for me to just do
0: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh wow.
1: That's and that's hard. Now I usually have to collaborate, because mm-hmm. uh, cause people they'll they'll think they know exactly what it is that I'm supposed to do, and mm-hmm. and and I don't feel the same. So that's the one place. It's weird for me to be behind the mic, and if someone's trying to produce me, it's it's hard for <laughs> me to. That's a rough one. I I did that with a couple people, and um, I I got through it. Mm-hmm. You said, I it do this. was <laughs> difficult.
2: Has anybody ever? Have you ever felt like you wanted to experiment and like let me try this different, you know, sound and?
1: Yeah, you know, through the years I've done different things. It, it was different when I worked with uh, Pharrell. It was when we did um uh what what song did we do? I lost my song. We did a song. I'm spacing all together.
2: What was the song with the Neptunes? Mm. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah, see, y'all know it either. So get the name of the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, there she goes. There she
0: goes. There she goes. There she goes.
1: Um, that was uh, that was a different experience for me to work with Pharrell. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed it because I was able to see how Pharrell worked and how he and and I was surprised because he was doing everything all in on this one little keyboard. I said, mm-hmm. "You created all this with that." It was amazing just to kind of see. Everybody's work work ethic and and how they put things together, and um, and I knew at that particular point that was way back in the day, and I knew at that point that Pharrell was going to just be, you know, he was just going to blow up. He's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Think about it,
2: Steve Lacey, when he was um, doing music early on, he was doing everything on his iPhone, yeah, and with plugins and everything. Have you done things like that with technology, or are you more like I got to be in the studio? And do
1: no, the way? no, no, no. I, b- I believe in that. I believe that you know whatever inspires you and how you get it done. That's it. So I think it can come from anywhere, anything, and um, and that that's inspiring to me to know that he could do that.
2: And but for you personally, do you me
1: personally, have I do I mess around with? Yeah, the, like
2: have you tried some of those? Babyface ain't I don't the iPhone. I, was say, you never I, know. I, I, I
1: would. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but you know, I'm not. I haven't yet.
2: <laughs> okay, because I get an app like that endorsed by Babyface. <laughs> that you really use that could go crazy I'm just saying technology. Okay. like cut me a check and then we could talk about it no, I mean, I'm just thinking about it
0: <laughs> alright yeah. well
2: uh-huh. you do have the guitar here so. yeah you do
0: have a guitar here it's Monday morning people mm-hmm. would you know people are driving to work <laughs> they're stuck Did in the office I think yeah. it's only right we should give them a little something a little
2: Somewhere something here. we don't want you to have this here you know I what? was excited I thought I was like oh, I don't know
3: why you know
2: give us something special I was gonna
0: play it but I you know I don't think you want me to play it oh I know it old McDonald mm-hmm. had a farm. No. yeah I, yeah I, oh, you that's know all I got
1: um. What am, What am I doing? Right. And what time is it in the morning? It's seven. It's about seven thirty a.m. Yeah, this is not you know warning voice. It's not...
3: not the easy one.
2: Usually cost millions of dollars to get something like that. Is that so what, that's, yeah, gift that's what that is. <laughs> to all of our listeners. That was definitely oh. amazing. Can, can, I, I know.
0: I know yep. this might be a stretch. No. All right. Just tell them no already. But, but me and you will help you with this one. No. Can we just do? Can we talk? Just one good no. time. We'll help him. we will help him sing it.
2: Let's see if I can remember.
1: It. I usually play it on the keyboard. Hold on. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. One, two. Can we talk? A little higher. Can we talk? One, two. You want me to do that first? Yeah, yeah, you should be safe. <coughs> there One. <you> go. <laughs> One, two. <laughs> Can
2: we talk?
1: Okay, we're going to have to work a little bit
2: <laughs> on that. Hey, this was Emmy's <laughs> dream come true. By the way, I just want to say we can fix that. We can <laughs> we fix can that. And look, congratulations <laughs> on having a number one single from off the album. LMA, keep on thank falling. You, thank the you. video starring Tiffany Haddish. It looks like a Bridgerton theme. Oh yeah,
0: Bridget? that was fun. Right now, that the
2: Situation. What do you album? want to play from the album? Hold on, hold on. Let's think about this. Um, okay.
1: Let's see. We could. Well, what would you heard it? What would you like to play?
2: Oh man, let's see what song. You know what we talked about the song with Baby Tate. Yeah. So let's do that one. Okay. Don't even
0: think about it. Yeah. Don't even think. Let's about do it. it. All right, it's Babyface, the icon, uh-huh. the legend. It's the Breakfast Club. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good morning.
2: <laughs> try it so hard to be on that Boys Night Out <laughs> album just now. <laughs> <laughs> he want to be on the intro. Look, guys, where are we going? <laughs> where we going?
1: His voice right in.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield, restricted and supply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no sign-ups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.exe.